0: Welcome to Concussion Stories, a live Jana podcast series filled with hope. I'm here to let you know that you are not alone in your concussion recovery. I'm Melanie and I spent more than six years experimenting, training and learning in order to heal myself from a very bad case of post-concussion syndrome. And today I feel better than ever before. In Concussion Stories, we dig deep while discussing hopeful stories of recovery, as well as the hard stuff in the messy middle. If you're struggling to focus, be sure to take breaks. Down in the description of each episode, you can find a table of contents, in case you want to skip ahead. Let's dive right in.
1: Hey guys! Yeah, my voice is weird. (laughs) This is what's left of it after a week of COVID happiness. And I've been waiting for it to clear up because I really wanted to get this episode to be available to you. And it seems that this is what we've got to work with. Luckily, the interview was recorded several weeks ago. So no worries about having to listen to Crackling Granny for 20 minutes now. Let me introduce our newest guest, Nada Andelich. She is a professor at the University of Oslo, Norway, and a specialist in physical medicine and rehabilitation at the Oslo University Hospital. She is part of the large European research group called Center TBI, which you may remember from previous episodes, and is aiming to improve post-traumatic brain injury care. Nada is dedicated to sharing her insights with us because she believes it's of vital importance that patients get an understanding of what's going on with them and how they could get the best rehabilitative care. Let's listen to Nada and Delich. Hello,
0: I'm Melanie. How are you doing aside from your cold? cold.
2: <laughs> I'm quite busy at work, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to manage that. And still you found time to do this with me. I think this is very important to talk mm. with the patients organization yeah. as yours mm. about our work and rehabilitation after traumatic brain injuries.
0: Why do you think it's so important?
2: Yeah, because uh, patients could get better help, better Mm -hmm. care. Mm -hmm. Before we go any further,
0: I would like to ask you a question just a little bit about yourself so that the listeners learn a bit more about you. What is something that you normally like to do aside from work and
2: who do you like to spend your time with? Thank you for inviting me, Melanie. It is a pleasure (laughs) to be here. I live in Norway and one of the great things to do here is enjoying the nature and outdoor activities such as walking, training and spending time with friends. I also love and enjoy going to museums, attending classical concerts and I am an avid reader. I like to travel and uh, our daughter uh, works in New York. And we are often visiting her. My family is uh, the most important people in my life and I love quality time with them.
0: Mm,
2: Sounds like you're living a full life. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and uh, working as well. (laughs) Do you love your work? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I have treated many people who sustained traumatic brain injury. And while doing this, I saw that Those with milder injuries can have more symptoms, impairments and limitation in daily life Mm
1: -hmm. and
2: slower recovery compared to those with severe injuries. This can seem a bit counterintuitive and not so obvious to other people. So this motivated me to start research on consequences of TBI and rehabilitation after TBI. And Mm -hmm. I am doing that since 2005. So
0: you became interested in the mild traumatic brain injury field because you were seeing a lot of people who were experiencing a lot of symptoms, even though we weren't expecting that back in that time, right? Yeah, Now, the idea is changing about mild traumatic brain injury, as Andrew Maas, also part of Center TBI, already described that mild TBI is in fact not so mild. Yes. This is something that you have found in practice. Yeah,
2: yeah. And absolutely, uh, this is the very important finding in the Center TBI we recognize Mm -hmm. that a quite high number of people with mild TBI had persistent symptoms during the first year after the injury and even many years after the injury. And that we should further develop mild TBI after care, such Mm -hmm. as follow-up and rehabilitation programs. So you have talked with Mass and Wilson and they talked, about the measurable changes in the brain, such as microscopic injury to the neurons. And this is important, but uh, I think to consider the whole person is even more important. And this is a patient-centered care, which promotes health by taking a holistic approach to care, considering the mind, body, and spirit of the patient.
0: Wow. This is fresh. This is new. That sounds wonderful. Can you elaborate a bit more on how you see that?
2: This could be achieved through delivering both physical, cognitive, emotional and social services while respecting patients' treatment choices because the Mm -hmm. patient's in in the center of the care. There is a knowledge-based evidence that such a multidisciplinary rehabilitation may reduce persistent symptoms after mild TBI.
0: And in Oslo, you're already practicing this multidisciplinary
2: approach. Yeah, we are doing that.
0: Yes. Thank you for illuminating that subject or even, I think, that vision that you have and that you've already had a chance to put into practice. That would be an amazing example for other countries as well. I have a question about several publications that you were involved in last year, actually. The first one is focused on differences between men and women when it comes to traumatic brain injury and specifically concussions. So mild traumatic brain injury. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, you've uncovered uh, you and your colleagues that there's not only a difference between uh, males and females when it comes to how we sustain concussions, but also how it affects them. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, Yes, it is. Uh, in the center TBI, uh, we analyzed the association between men and women mm-hmm. and the outcomes following mild and moderate and severe TBI. We found that the following mild TBI, women were less likely to be referred from another hospital to a study center and to be admitted to the intensive care unit. And they were more likely to be discharged home, which is usually related to women's less severe injuries, Mm. different injury mechanisms and better recovery. However, we found that women younger than 45 years and older than 65 years reported worse six months outcomes after mild TBI compared Mm. with men. Of same age. And in general, we know that women tend to report more symptoms and seek medical help often. We found that symptoms of depression and anxiety is higher for women and especially young women. And we know that some hormonal differences may exist in women and men but also we need to acknowledge the different challenges that the genders experience
0: what kind of challenges do you think about if you say yeah. that
2: for example younger women may struggle with expectation of managing household and balancing domestic duties and childcare with rehabilitation when recovering from mild tbi and a substantial number of young women combine the role of the primary caregiver of children as well as being a working spouse and parent. Mm-hmm. In that way, gender norms can create an extra burden for younger women and negatively influence their mental health and quality of life.
0: Yeah. It sounds like such a complex puzzle to determine what is happening and how you can surface or help or treat everyone the way each and every one of us deserves.
2: Yes, of course. But I would like to highlight that it is important, it is actually critical that healthcare professionals take women's health issues seriously and develop appropriated follow-up and treatment programs following injuries.
0: Thank you for explaining that, especially all the factors that lay behind it, because it's something that, to be honest, I've never looked at it from a gender perspective. The way I was treated, good and bad, by male doctors with regard to my concussion, but it's something that I will think about. There's another research paper that you and your colleagues have published. It's about workplace factors associated with return to work after maltraumatic brain injury. And this is such an important topic for a lot of our listeners because I know a lot of us are struggling with getting back to work or to university or to studies in general. So resuming our jobs or our, wow, it almost feels like our function in society for a little part. You have researched this with your colleagues and I was wondering what you could share
2: about this and what could (laughs) maybe help our listeners. Yeah, we conducted a clinical trial in Oslo to evaluate the effect of combined cognitive and vocational intervention on work-related outcomes and health-related quality of life after mild and moderate TBI so we used the manualized cognitive compensatory training and support from employment specialists. They support the participants in returning to work. Mm. So we compared this intervention with the multidisciplinary follow-up that we have at our Outpatients Department, and we included patients in working age with persistent symptoms at 8 to 12 weeks after the injury. And we noted that significantly larger proportion of patients who received the combined cognitive and vocational intervention had returned to stable employment at three months follow-up. We also noted a difference in the median number of days until reaching pre-injury level of employment in favor of the intervention group. In addition, we performed a cost-effectiveness analysis and found that the combined cognitive and vocational intervention was cost-effective when considering the societal perspective which is productivity loss and informal care, care given by family and friends.
0: Yeah, because those burdens are immense, right? Yeah.
2: yeah. Mm -hmm. But we did not found the cost effect from a healthcare perspective. And then we looked at our data and we found that health-related quality of life was decreased in the intervention group at the baseline when we started the intervention. And um, this could indicate a greater need for healthcare services in the intervention group and might have contributed to the higher consumption of healthcare services. But we found that the intervention was beneficial to health-related quality of life changes over 12 months, so the intervention group had a better quality of life at 12 months follow-up. So um, we concluded that the study findings gave a support to the notion that targeted early intervention programs for patients with mild TBI might be both clinical and cost-effective.
0: Okay. And I'm also happy, aside from the cost effectiveness, which is, of course, very important to bring to policymakers, to bring to insurance companies in order to make a change happen in uh, concussion care. Yeah. Uh, But I'm also happy to learn that these interventions made the patients have a higher quality of life. Yeah what kind of interventions should we think about because a lot of people don't have this medical system or medical care even at their disposal if they for example have to pay for it themselves in other countries how could this be shaped by themselves for themselves
2: yeah we could probably develop the telerehabilitation rehabilitation interventions Mm-hmm. that uh, patients could have access to and I can see that you are providing some courses about it and this is very important. Uh, probably tele-rehabilitation, about the coping with uh, persistent symptoms, about cognitive compensatory techniques, about yes. the return to work and how you could adjust the workplace and so on. We know from the COVID time that tele-rehabilitation was very important and why not to develop further such a kind of rehabilitation that could be Mm. used in post-COVID time as well.
0: That's something that a lot of us learned, right, from that time, that information becomes so much more accessible to all of us if we use, well, technology
2: yeah yeah
0: even though for example my course is also downloadable so that people don't have to spend all of that time on their computers because a lot of people with concussions have trouble focusing on screens and it's so important to make sure if concussion care becomes more online it's so important to ensure that the materials are, for example, printable or downloadable as an mp3 so people can listen to it on their phones and don't have to watch the screens
2: all the time. Yes, absolutely. It is very important with active recovery.
0: You mentioned active recovery. It relates a bit to a question that I'd like to ask you. So is there something that really surprised you during all of this time treating patients, researching traumatic brain injury that you discovered?
2: Yes, absolutely. There are a lot of symptoms patients are dealing with. Not only symptoms related to concussions, but also problems uh, to accept that. Acceptance yes. of the symptoms and uh, emotional distress is very important in concussions. So we should do the treatment of persistent symptoms by the multidisciplinary rehabilitation team. And, um learn the patients how to cope with the challenges yes
0: yes i think that if if i look back then the psychological um work that i needed and eventually wanted to do in order to heal uh, was i think more than 50 percent of the work because even if you do all of the training like brain training and physical training and all of the relearning that you need to do the psychological part plays a big part in that as well because if you are having trouble with your training because you're having a setback for example you need your mental resilience in order to get back to work again and give it another try and do it better this time that's such a big part of recovery yeah
2: absolutely i agree with you
0: I think it's it's wonderful what you are doing and I really admire you have this perspective that indeed the patient should be centered and you need a holistic approach yeah. that's so different than everything that I experienced and I am really really glad to hear that well, that lessons are being learned that's, that's the most important part yeah
2: yeah that's yeah. the
0: most important thing I agree with you well, you manifest all of those lessons into reality. So that's good. I hope that you may be an example for other practitioners, for other researchers. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and um, your vision with us. Thank you, Melanie. Now I would love to hear from you. What do you take away from this episode? Is there something that you can apply to your life right away? Head on over to LifeJana.com and leave your comment now. And if you want to hear and read more concussion stories, actionable steps, and inspiration, be sure to subscribe to the LiveJana email list while you're there, so that you never miss out on new materials we constantly make for you. If you want to support this podcast, head on over to patreon.com slash concussion stories. Thank you for listening to this concussion stories episode by LiveJana. May you be well and may you be happy.